dive deep into the realm of large language models, prompt engineering, and best practices. With over 25 years of combined AI and product engineering experience, here are your hosts, Bradley Arsenault and Justin Macarin. Hey, Justin. Hello, Brad. Justin, you know what I, I really, 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 really want? <laughs> what do you really, really, really want? I want to be able to just like sit down in front of ChatGPT and kind of like explain it, you know, some software I'm building, some complicated system, you know, you know, ask some follow up questions is like, oh, Brad, what did you mean this? Or did you mean that? And, you know, I kind of go back and forth for 10 minutes and then it just goes off, generates like 100,000 lines of beautiful, perfect Python code. And uh, clean, well-documented, structured nicely. And then I get to, to send that off to the boss or the client, and um, I'm happy, you know? Is that realistic? Are, are we heading in that direction where we can just talk to ChatGPT and generate <laughs> I, huge source code? I think we're heading in that direction. Like, I've... I've asked ChatGPT so many times now, you know, generate a function that does this or generate a piece of code that does that, right? Like, I'm sure you've done it before too. Yeah, I often, I use it with the um, the tools built into the IDE and yeah. What is that? Yep. How is the, uh, the co-pilot chat, right? Oh, it's it's beautiful, man. It's, is it? It's unbelievable. <laughs> All right, well, I, I think that, you know, Generating a function is a little bit more different than generating a class. And generating a class is a little bit more different than generating an application that will use many classes and potentially config files. Yep. And just generating those classes and config files is different than understanding and configuring the file structure that the application will use. And I think these are all like incremental steps, you know, towards the end goal of generating, you know, your, your hundred thousand lines of code of beautifully documented, perfect source code that works. Does, does that kind of make sense? So it's not just like one prompt, like generate a hundred K lines. Like you're, you're saying you, you got to start small and kind of assemble it up in pieces to this bigger system. Yeah, we're definitely not there yet. And even if if we were there yet, right? Like even if we were there where you could generate an entire application with one line, man, that applicate like like major assumptions will be taken. Uh, <laughs> of course. <laughs> like major assumptions will be taken on your behalf. So you might be best to kind of guide yeah, you know, the the, the model and like, Someone in Britain will be like, generate me an e-commerce application, and it only uses dollars, of course, because yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think that like, you know, before we we generate a class, right? Like like your standard object-oriented class. Yeah. I think that a good way of going about it is generating tests, right? Like like you've introduced me to an incredible, you know, YouTuber. Um, his name is David Farley, I think. Yeah. Yeah. David Farley. And I've watched so many of his videos and I've, I've actually taken a lot of notes on them. Right. And, and he goes through about 
best practices, best software development practices. And it's, you write a test, you see it fail, you write the function, you see the test pass. And there you go. Yep. Now you have working, functioning, testable source code. And while this concept, you know, um, may not be fun, and I, I think that people even take it too far sometimes, right? Well, yes, you can you could definitely go over the top uh, in terms of if you read the original test driven development book, he would do like literally like a one letter change and then rerun his tests. And, yeah. you know, I mean, OK, we, we could do a little more refactoring in between our red green. You know, it doesn't have to be literally one line change. But, um, you know, uh, when it's applied well. It's an amazing technique. I mean, it's, it saves me time. And uh, the question is, is this also good for LLMs? Is is what's good for the human engineer good for the AI engineer? I think so, because I think that when we get in the functions calling functions and data manipulation, I think that a really big component of that also becomes data structure and what kind of data we're, we're handling in and manipulating. And I think that's also a critical component of writing a test. And I'm kind of breaking it down over here, right? So we, so we initially talked about generating 100,000 lines of perfectly tested code, right? That's well documented and all this kind of stuff. And we broke it yeah. down into, you know, generating classes and we broke it down into generating class. And now we're breaking it down into generating a test. And if we break it down one more step down, I think this is where the gold is. And I think this is where the real value comes in when it comes to generating source code or large language models. When we write tests, Brad, when you and I write tests, yep, we know what the data structure or what the 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 object or what the variable we're going to be passing to the function is. Yeah. We know that it's going to be a string. We know that it's going to be an array of characters or an array of Booleans. We know that it's going to be a list of dictionaries that contain the following attributes. Yep. But we know that because it's in our memory. How, how in the world would a large language model know that? I think that that is actually the first and most basic minimum requirement when it comes to large scale like automated application development so it's like when you generate a function with chat gpt and you don't provide this definition of the interface really of the function it kind of like it just kind of assumes what that data structure is you know it's like maybe 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 these are uh, maps, maybe these are dictionaries and, you know, maybe there's some complicated nesting structure. It doesn't know. It it absolutely doesn't know. So like, let's say we ask chat GPT, you know, generate a function that'll get me the weather done. Right. All right. That works. Um, what parameters do you pass it? Do you pass it the city? Do you pass it the country? Do you pass it, uh, you know, the state or the province? Like what do you pass the function? Do you pass it very like multiple parameters? is or do you pass it an object like there's chat gpt will make that decision for you yeah. and it'll work but 
it'll make that decision for you. And because it's making that decision for you, now you lose control over how other functions interface with that function. You lose control mm -hmm. of how, how you call that function in the future in other areas of code, not because you're doing it manually, but because you want a large language model to do that, right? So you almost need to create these interfaces, these schemas, um, and you could use natural language to do it. I think it's, it actually works really well with natural language. You could almost say, hey, you know, um, create a TypeScript um, type or interface with the following attributes. And if it's a little bit more complex, you can create two interfaces, one that uses the other. And now what you've just done is you've just kind of taken the first critical step in defining how your function is going to operate and, and, and potentially how your class is going to operate, right? And potentially even how your database is going to operate. Yeah, it um, kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, you ever programmed in C++ or C, you know, and you would have hey. like a header file, yeah. right? And that would, that would be a specification. And the code could compile completely w w only reading the header files of other sections of code. And so I'm seeing this analogy to how you're describing the, the process of generating code with a language model. is like start at the bottom with the data schemas. Then the interfaces, like the functional interfaces, then provide that to actually generate the functions themselves. Like you're you're building up this this structure from the bottom, uh, and, and gradually adding more information at each step as you generate more of the code. That's that's a very well 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 said way of 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 doing it. Yeah, no, that's that's exactly it. So I think that those like like and. Even in the cybersecurity world, you know, there are all kinds of problems, right? Um, there's injection, there's misconfiguration. Um, like if we take a look at OWASP top 10, there are a bunch of issues that are repeated over and over and over again. And I think that a good chunk of those issues can be solved by just having really well-validated data. And I think that well-defined schemas, well-defined interfaces work with that. So you mentioned header files with these, you know, C, C++ type. Yeah, the good old days, hashtag include. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and I think that the nice thing about these interfaces is that without using your natural language, you're actually telling the large language model how you want the function to work. So you could say, hey, you know, Mr. Large Language Model, we have the following input that's defined as this interface. We want to create a function that results in the following interface. Do X, Y, Z, run. Mm -hmm. Now, the Large Language Model has an enormous amount of context. It's no longer making assumptions, right? it knows exactly what it should generate. And, and before we even generate the function, I think that approach needs to be taken with the tests. So we say, Mr. Large Language Model, here's the input interface, here's the output interface, generate a test that does this. Now you have a test, yeah. right? And with that test, 
you can pass that test that was generated to a new model, right? Mm -hmm. and, and now you could say, all right, you know, Mr. Large Language Model, given the following input interface or schema, and given the following test, I want you to write a function that successfully executes that test. At this point, you're not even describing what you want the large language model to do. You just want to make sure that that test is passes successfully. And yeah. I, that's really the key. Of... And that, that works? Like, so you're like, here's a test, give me the, f it generates a perfect function? Works so well, man. When, when you give it input and output interfaces and a test, and you say, generate a function that passes the test, it works significantly better than if you were to write a two-paragraph essay in JetGBT about what you wanted to generate. Describing yeah. the transform yeah. that you wanted. Yeah, that's right. like... Not only does it do it better, but you're passing less information. So I think that that's kind of like, like man, like this, this can definitely be like a multi-series podcast on its own, right? Oh, this will be. This will uh, be. But I think that, yeah, I, I think if, if there's one thing to get out of this, it's the importance of creating these schemas, these importance of creating these inter interfaces as a first step in creating a very large um, automated, generated kind of source code application. Yeah, so you, you're starting from just a review. You're starting from generating the schema. Yep. Then you might generate the interface. Then you might generate a test. And at that point, are you giving it some some like user requirements? Like, hey, this function should be adding to a shopping cart and needs to double check this XYZ before it does. Like, is 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 that where product requirements come in? Yeah, I think that that, you know, things can become very complex at that point, right? But that being said, I think that the product requirements are definitely required when we create that schema, when we create that interface, and we when we create that test. They're there all the way along. So like at a bare minimum, those, those interfaces and that test should have a one-to-one -one correlation with the business requirements. And the mm. ultimate goal over here is to have, I think, natural language requirements and the ability to generate input and output interfaces, a schema possibly, and then finally based off of that and the natural language requirements, our very first unit test. And once we have those things, then, you know, we, we can generate amazing functions without even describing what we want it to do. The, the large language model does the work. I absolutely love how you are using test-driven development with this artificial intelligence. Like you're literally doing textbook BDD and it's working amazing with the AI. It improved the results of the AI just like it improves the results of the humans. It's It blows my mind. It's it's required. It's required. And and whether we like test-driven development or not, um, that, that can be a personal opinion. 
I've 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 built my financial models to to kind of identify that test driven development to actually save significant amount of, of of engineering you know effort. But that being said, I don't think that it's a personal opinion when it comes to large scale um, application automation. It's 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 not an opinion. I think it's a minimum. This is the technique that works. Yeah, and like that works. Yeah, and I think that that's going to be the technique that that we're going to see more and more and more of. Um, so yeah. Amazing, Justin. Well, I have, uh, really enjoyed talking to you about, about this, uh, automated source code generation. I know this is close to your heart. We both use, uh, a lot of AI coding tools and, um, this has been a great conversation. Good stuff, man. I, I, I love talking about this stuff. So we will chat soon. All right. Talk to you later, man. Take care. Thank you for joining us. If you've enjoyed today's episode, hit subscribe and stay updated on our latest content. We appreciate your support.